Hey, is uh, is this thing on? Hello? Okay. Well, my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. Consider me your best friend that's not just going to let you sit there and think problematic thoughts. So sit back, relax, make sure you're following us on Instagram, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak, and let's get it popping on this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to As I Was Saying Podcast. I'm your host, Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, but you already knew that, right? So if you're not already, which I'm sure you heard before, follow us, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak. So just to give light to what is happening in our current world, um, it's obvious that a lot of people are going through a lot of hardships, whether that be your physical health, your mental health, your financial state, your education, childcare. And I would just like to say that you are valid in feeling whatever you are feeling. And what I hope comes out of this is a lot of needed conversation, you know. So for the educational institutions that said education cannot be accessed online, why is it accessible now when you were cutting out students who wanted to have it? You know, for the jobs that apparently could not allow people to get paid time off and certain states have made it like that you have to you're now doing it why couldn't we do it before for even the jails who you know had people up for parole and people needing to actually go to court because a lot of people don't realize that someone's charge might only be that they serve a 10-month sentence but they're in there for five years because they never got to see a judge now they get parole and they get all these things and it's like why couldn't that happen before why 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 are nurses and doctors still trying to disinfect and use their same mask and gloves and all these things over and over again where is their ppes and I think it just calls a lot of questions in and I know I have a lot of questions and I think you know and I was just telling one of my cousins today this that I think even when we get over this hump I do think that a lot of questions need to be asked and I think we need to have a long long discussions with ourselves with our communities and even our government not not even I'm like our government needs to have conversations with us and we need some answers because what is happening is truly just wow and I really do think we we need to have some answers about that so Happy April to everybody. So if you did not know, April was Poetry Month. So woo-woo, shout out to all the poets in the building. Me, if you didn't know, I am an author. So I have two books out. One I'm currently in the process of redoing. And that is The Mind of the Teenage Drama Queen. My other book, The Tragic Type of Beautiful, though, can be purchased on Amazon. Um, So feel free to look it up. And that is the child type of beautiful. If you go to my website, shewillspeak.com, you can find it there as well. So what I wanted to talk to you about today is a topic that is very close to my heart as far as me being involved as far as a movement and in for a lot of my um, community work, but something that's very close to me because I myself am impacted by it. And that is sexual violence. So April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Um, so you might actually see it on social media as legit SAM. So with two A's. So S-A-A-M. Um, so if you do like hashtag S-A-A-M, you'll probably find a lot of organizations, a lot of resources. If you do not know of any, definitely check that out. And it's actually the 19th year. So wow, that's amazing, right? So I wanted to have this episode because I wanted to give light 
to that movement and to give light to what is happening in April and to give light to a little bit of my personal story. Not really on, not on this episode. I actually want to talk about being trauma informed, um, but just know that is coming later. So this episode, we will be talking about sexual violence. So that is a trigger warning for anyone who, you know, because this month is so tough and because our circumstances as a country in a world is in crisis, it might not be the best podcast, you know, episode for you to listen to. And I totally understand that because um, it's hard right now. So feel free to, you know, not listen, save it for a later date. But for my folks who, you know, want to learn a little bit more about what it means to be trauma informed, feel free to take a listen to this. So I had the honor of writing an article for the Army of Survivors. Um, and that article can actually be found on their website. And it is called What Happens Now? The Conversation We Need to Be Having. And if you, again, want to read it, you can find a link to the um, the article in my website. She will speak. Go to their website, Army of Survivors. So my theory is I believe that we have three things that are connecting when we talk about, you know, sexual assault, and that is understanding transgenerational trauma, my apologies, being trauma-informed, which is, again, the main piece of this, and healing. And again, I do not claim to be an expert, which I think I say just about every episode, but I don't know. I feel like one day someone's going to come back and be like, well, you said this. Hold on. Did you hear Minimark 5.1. Okay. Um, so I do not claim to be an expert, but what I claim to be as someone who has experience with a lot of the topics I talk about, mostly all the topics I talk about, and I try to educate myself and, you know, whether that be through reading, trainings, um, and utilizing my resources. So there's a lot of folks who are educators or who are counselors or who work directly with, you know, a community. And me, myself, when I was in college, I was an orientation leader, which is how I got my first step in with, you know, learning about sexual violence um, prevention and awareness because they give you like these trainings. It's like of what to do and X, Y, and Z. So what do we do when, you know, these issues come up and we have someone and I feel like in the middle of this Me Too movement, we have Time's Up, we have Why Didn't Report, um, we have organizations such as It's On Us and Rape on Campus. Every state, I believe, has some form of ACASA, which is a coalition against sexual assault. And these organizations and these platforms are really doing a great job, I feel like, in trying to shift the narrative. And I feel like as far as a legal point, there's still a lot to do as far as when it comes to, you know, sexual assault cases being brought up in court. And I think, you know, we've we've done a really good job, at least again, I'm only 24 years old, in seeing some of the court cases I have seen, we could do so much better. But, you know, statistically speaking, most cases don't even make it to a trial and we need to do better with that. But the few cases that do make it to trial, um, you know, I'm happy being able to see some convictions come through because it shows like, okay, well, at least we're starting to see, which we should have seen before, that this is problematic. These people are problematic. This is an issue and it needs to stop. But one of the big things I personally, and if you, again, if you read the article, you can see um, I'm personally talking about is I think the conversation that we don't have is 
How do we support survivors? You know, I don't think that conversation is being had enough. And I think the narrative of what it means to have survivorship and support survivors needs to be had more often, especially for folks who are in these communities where you're supposed to support. So understanding transgenerational trauma, what does that mean? In my personal opinion, and you heard it here first, I believe trauma is a spectrum. And what I mean trauma is a spectrum. So you meet somebody, again, I'm 24 years old. If something in my life happened that, you know, I would definitely categorize um, as being traumatic at 24, you would be, and you met me for the first time, you would be meeting me, you would be meeting my actions, you would be meeting my coping skills as a 24 year old person that you see in front of me. What a lot of people fail to realize though, a spectrum. You don't know what someone has dealt with in their past, both positive and negative. So those coping mechanisms that they're utilizing, you don't know where they come from. You want to know why? Because you just met them at this current stage. With that also comes into the conversation of too many times what we do, especially in the realm of survivorship, is we tend to judge survivors for how they choose to deal, you know, with their trauma. And we almost question their coping. I've actually heard it so many times and it's rarely disappointing um, that when survivors sometimes um, are not sad or do not have this, I guess, negative, depressive, very crying attitude, it's like, well, it must not have been that bad. How are you supporting someone if that is your comment back to them? Well, it must not have been that bad because you know you're not all torn up about it. You're still going to work. You're still doing your thing. You're still doing this. Again, trauma, a spectrum. You don't know what incidents happen in their life that might have allowed them to not showcase their emotions like that. Someone's trauma might have been so great when they were a child that showing that vulnerability was not an option for them. So the only thing they know how to do is to kind of pick back up the pieces the best way they can and try to push on like nothing's wrong. Um, so understanding transgener transgenerational trauma is important in that. And understanding, again, with those younger years is understanding the trauma placed on a person. So we talk about it a lot, not only with the sexual um, violence prevention movement, um, but I think a lot of movements talk about it, you know, learning from the parents, learning from everyone above us who kind of place these mindsets on us of like, oh, it's your fault if this happens or what happens in the house stays in the house. And understanding that, you know, when you're talking to someone who just went through assault, when you're talking to someone who just went through domestic violence, you know, well, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And it's like, well, it must not have been that serious. Again, that's not the answer, which goes into the next point of being trauma-informed. Um, one of the examples I personally use as a Black woman who was sexually assaulted, statistically speaking, um, we are not looked at as being, I don't like, I'm trying to think of the correct word to say it, but Let's just call it what it is. The institution does not support us. Even a lot of movements for a very long time have not and still do not fully support us. So the aspect of feeling like you have a community for many black women is not there. And another layer, because for whatever reason, and I understand why a lot of, you know, institutions go for reporting um, as one of like the first steps, but you got to also think. Again, transgenerational trauma. Many people of color, especially people who are black, do not have positive interactions with law enforcement 
or law. So the aspect of saying, okay, great, so this happened to you, and now we're going to go talk to a bunch of officers. And again, this is right after the incident. So again, this is why we put a trigger warning on these conversations, because if you were anyone who's ever had to go report after a sexual assault, that is not just, you know, some sit down casual conversation. There's so much going on in your mind, right? And you're just so like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And now I have to repeat to you my story. You're going to ask me questions. Most likely you're going to make me feel like it was my fault and I'm going to have to defend everything that happened. Boom. Nobody wants that situation. And again, being a black woman, personally, even for myself, I have a very, you know, complicated relationship when it comes to law enforcement because I have seen in my personal life, I've seen in the news, I've seen in people's life that I care about, that law enforcement and my skin tone does not mix very well. So when someone walks into your office, when someone goes to you for support, and your first thing is, well, if you don't report, then we can't really do anything about it, to somebody who's black, how are you supporting them? If anything, you're making them feel bad as if they're not acting in a way they should be acting when really the ball is in their court for how they want to go through their process of healing, which is the third point in this article that I made. I feel like we don't talk enough about healing when it comes to people who are being, especially women, who are sexually assaulted. I feel like it is just report and if you don't report, then you know what? you don't really care. And even when we do report, what really, you know, resources are put into play for us? None. There's there's none put into play whatsoever, right? So we really need to talk about healing. What does healing look like, you know, for the individual? And like I said, I think too often, we as people make the mistake of being like, okay, well, these are my school's policies and these are work's policies and this is, this is, I'm your friend, so this is what I would do. When it's, no, 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 what do you want? And sometimes what that person wants may not be what you want. But again, being trauma-informed, healing, understanding what might have happened that you might not ever hear about is really one of the true ways to support somebody who was sexually assaulted and who is going through this tough time um, because this is a journey. And when I mean this is a journey, for a lot of people, the incident is, and I've actually heard it so many times, the incident itself was one thing. But even if you choose to report, going to trial having to retell your story, having to tell people, having to sit there and look that person in the eye and say what they did and then watch people tell you that it was your fault. It's like it happened all over again. And we expect people to do this and to keep up this, you know, this high energy and and just, you know, it's going to be all right. And this is what's going to happen. And it's like, how? And even if people choose not to report, still having to heal everything to yourself, because like I said, me personally, You know how many, I wish I could tell somebody how many times I had to tell myself, you know, it wasn't your fault. There was nothing you could have done, you know, differently that would have, you know, somehow made the situation change. And you try to tell yourself, well, I shouldn't have went out that night. I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't. And that just places blame on yourself. And again, it doesn't help if someone else is just putting the blame on you as well by telling you what you should do to handle these conversations. So I just wanted to give a little rundown. Like I said, the article that I did goes more and more in depth than what I just said, but I really wanted to give this this uh, this some light because 
being trauma-informed is very important and being able to understand that it's not about what we want at all. It's about what the individual want. It's about what the person who was assaulted, how they want to handle the situation. And we are a resource. We are a shoulder. We are someone that is supposed to be standing here to help guide them through this process. And like I said, as a black woman in America, I feel like there is not enough work being done to support people that look like me. But what I will say is, and um, I, I'm, I feel like I'm blessed to be at a point in my life where I can say this. I feel like as I've gone along in my journey, I've met the people who have helped me take those steps. And I think one of the biggest things that they have done for me, which is what I'm going to say here, is that's by allowing me to have my own voice and allowing me to heal the way I see healing and allowing me to tell my story, even if it hurts some people to be able to hear, you know, I don't think this worked. And I actually think this was detrimental to me. And I think when we have these conversations and when you do this work, you do have to let your pride, you have to get out of the way of your pride. You can't be upset that someone didn't like how you handled this, or you can't be upset that this didn't go the way you planned. You can't be upset that it's like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize like this was re-traumatizing you. You have to get out of your own, you have to get out of the way because it's not about you. So thank you for listening to that. Um, that this episode actually for that conversation was not planned. I had a completely different episode um, recorded and planned for everybody, but it was just on my heart to do this one because April, like I said, is a, is a really, it's a month for me. And I said I wasn't going to have any con- any real conversations, honestly. I told myself about sexual um, violence. I said I was just going to kind of be like, okay, sexual assault awareness month, you know, be aware, do this, do that. But I don't know, it was it was something I guess maybe it's just who I am as a person. You know, I can't just be still when I have these things come up. And when these things are happening, I have I have to say something. Um, So yeah, uh, that's that's what I have to say. And I I think I'll probably do another episode for the month of April to give y'all, you know, a little bit more with that, because I think I just kind of like, you know, gave you this and just said, okay, deuces. But you know, this was a lot for me. And so with that, I actually wanted to invite everybody to follow It's On Us and End Rape on Campus on April the 16th from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. They're actually doing, they're doing a bunch of events, um, but it's called Zoom University and I actually will be one of the panel speakers for their um, conversation and I love the title of it. It's called I Feel Like Shit and Social Distancing Isn't Helping. I know, like, who wouldn't want to go to that? Like, if I wasn't, if I wasn't on, like, the panel talking, I would still attend. Once again, I feel like shit and social distancing is not helping. And that is Thursday, April the 16th from 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And that is being hosted by Enrape on Campus and it's on us. So be sure to follow them. Be sure to register. I will be there talking and... 
giving my insight and um, the workshop is really centering mental health within the crisis of COVID-19 and again within the sexual violence movement and within specifically students when it comes to being on campus, right? So for students right now who were going through, who were going through the process of trials and, and bringing up cases to their administrators and going through these healing process, going to therapy and then boom, schools just, just closed. What does that look like? You know, how do we kind of, again, pick up those pieces and start to, you know, rebuild these processes to make sure these students get the justice that they deserve. So if you want to learn more, if you feel like you're in that category of needing that support, I definitely urge you to follow and um, jump on the the Zoom call, the Zoom meeting, the Zoom webinar, Zoom conference. Yeah, that's what we're going to go with. Um, so yeah, this was, like I said, a shorter episode, but I think it was an impactful episode. I hope you thought that. Um, so thank you all for listening. Thank you all for allowing me to share this space with you. And like I said, um, if you're someone in this movement, I definitely urge you to, to read go on my website you can click I have a few articles on there but this is one I definitely want you to listen to again my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs this is as I was saying podcast thank you so much we have episodes dropping every Thursday I'm gonna get very specific on a time soon enough um I feel like I need to I feel like maybe like 10 or 11 a.m y'all let me know and I was thinking about going live on Thursdays at night so it's like y'all can listen and then give me questions and then I can answer the questions on the live how does that sound question mark okay I'll ask you in the comments so thank you very much for listening and enjoy the rest of your week we'll be back on Thursday and when I mean me we I mean like me duh like I have to be here but like you're gonna be here too and bring a friend because the more the merrier okay bye